Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Welcome back to Becoming Buffy. This is our spoiler section for the episode Revelations. So before we jump into it, this is just the PSA that we will be talking about the entire show of Buffy as well as the show Angel. So if you do not want to hear spoilers, this is probably not the episode for you. But if you do, welcome, welcome. And yeah, this is a special episode because we have our friend Leia here with us. I'm so excited to be here. And this is a good episode to talk about. It is the seventh episode and always has lots of good stuff, a lot of good things to talk about. But before we get into that, Leia, will you tell us kind of how you started watching Buffy and what Buffy means to you? Yeah. Um, I'm an OG Buffy fan. So I've been a fan of Buffy for a very, very long time. Um, I started watching it because my mom would watch it like on TV. I was obviously very young. So like my most vivid memory is watching season seven on TV while it was airing. Um, And then over the years, my mom would just get me um, like the DVDs and I started watching it from the beginning that way. So I technically, my first memory is of season seven. So funny. And it's like my least favorite season. That's like a terrible place to start. And then I obviously like went back to the beginning and then watched it and then I have all of Angel as well. So I'm like a huge fan. Um, I just kind of started like delving into the fandom this year, as you know. Um, it was shocking. <laughs> it was a shocking like thing to like come into. Um, it's been great because I've like met a lot of great people like you guys. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just Buffy's just like, it, I grew up with Buffy. Like, it's literally ever since I could remember, I've always been a fan um, and I will always be a fan no matter what. So yeah, I love Buffy um, and I'm old. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy that season seven, um, one of our other guests on here, she started watching, I think, did she say it was season six that she started with? And then she watched season six and then she didn't she would like go skip around and watch different episodes. And then every um, year for Christmas, her family would buy her a season and then she'd watch the whole season. So eventually she started watching it from the beginning, but that's after she'd seen like the end of the show, which I'm like, I can't even imagine watching the show from the end to the beginning, but from season seven. Yeah. yeah. What's your first memory? Like, do you remember a specific scene or is it just kind of like a general? I think it's just like a general – I just remember – I remember watching the finale, like the series finale on That's TV. That's so crazy. Yeah. I was – I want to say I was like 10 when it when I watched it. So I don't really remember much and you don't really understand what's going on. Yeah. So I watched season seven, but I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. It was just like, oh, like I like the show and blah, blah, blah. Just very like surface level like enjoyment, but like – as an adult, like I, I actually understand why I don't like it now, for example, or what I do like about it and what I don't. So, all right, well, let's jump into it. 
All right. So Douglas Petrie, the guy who wrote Revelations as his debut episode, he these are some of the other episodes that he's written. I thought that might be kind of cool to get kind of an idea of like how he writes. Um, I don't know. I kind of like looking and seeing what each writer, like what other episodes and storylines that they write, because it gives me a good idea of like where they're going with the characters and just the way that they write. So he wrote obviously Revelations, but he wrote Bad Girls. Enemies, The Initiative, This Year's Girl, The Yoko Factor, No Place Like Home, Fool for Love, Checkpoint, The Weight of the World, Flooded, As You Were, Two to Go, Beneath You, Bring on the Night, Get It Done, End of Days, and then on Angel he wrote In the Dark and the Trial. So I feel like I'm like, whoa, like this is a pretty strong list. And then there's a few in there. I'm like, oh, but then I'm like, I don't know how much of an influence that is from Marty Noxon and stuff, but he wrote some pretty good episodes. Leah, do you need me to translate for you which ones they are? Yeah, I have no idea which episodes those are. <laughs> Leah's like, I don't know what these episodes are. I'm like, hmm, I know some of these words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you know what Bad Girls is, right, in season three? Yeah, I know Bad Girls because it okay. always reminds me of Bad Girls Club. Bad girls. Sure. And then enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and then enemies is the one where Angel and they trick yeah, Faith. I was say Angel and Buffy trick oh, Faith. Oh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This year's girl is the one Faith wakes up from the coma in season four. Mm. Oh, wow. Those are good episodes. Yeah. He Some writes the initiative some... one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's good things that happen in the initiative one. It's our fart know. noise. <laughs> I know I need to get sound effects. <laughs> and then um the Yoko factor is the one that Angel comes back to Buffy and fights Riley. Oh, I love that episode. <laughs> I'm like, yes, kick his butt. <laughs> Patty Angel's the best angel. Oh, I know. His little I'm... smirky face when she tells Riley to leave and they walk out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I know I can't wait for that episode. And then the whole um, what was it? Uh what is he says, don't test me, boy. He he calls him boy. Oh my god! <laughs> and she like pushes them both apart. Riley gets the dr- drawer, and then Angel gets the soft the bed. Soft bed. <laughs> yes. Oh my word! And then her and Angel can communicate without words. Yeah, such a good episode. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was we'll talk about Faith and Angel, but I want to talk about Faith and Buffy too because obviously this episode is huge. It's the first time we actually see Faith and Buffy fighting each other like physically. And it's such a contrast to like the beginning of the episode where they're so in sync to the point where they're like mirroring each other and what they're doing. And it's interesting how as time progresses all the way up to bad girls, you watch them just becoming more and more in sync with each other. Um, And then, you know, up until Alan Finch dies and stuff. And it makes me really sad to think about like how amazing they could have been if they were friends all the way like – Without faith going bad, you know what I mean? No, I I so agree. Um, watching this episode again, even like the scene at the very end where Buffy like goes to the hotel room to like Faith's house or whatever, and she's basically just telling like you can trust me. I just feel like Buffy feels so alone, and having Faith there was just so nice for her. And she's like, she like craves that like companionship with somebody that is just like her so yeah I agree like it's so sad that they never it's so sad that like their relationship kind of 
um, got fractured so much, I guess. But I mean, it's also good TV. So <laughs> every time I see like season seven and you have Faith come back and I'm like, oh, and then I see them, I get kind of like little glimpses, but there's so much hurt there on Buffy's end. And I think Faith is just kind of tiptoeing around all that because she knows how much pain she's caused Buffy. It always just makes me really sad because I feel like they just really could have been great friends, just like with Buffy and Kendra too. I don't know. It just makes me kind of sad. It's hard getting glimpses of what they could have been. And then just knowing that like, even though they do end up in a good place, like there's so much hurt between Buffy and Faith that it's like they will never be what they could have been. Question for you guys on this topic. Do you guys think that Buffy has a harder time forgiving Faith than she does other characters that have like done her wrong? Mm. Like, do you think that she holds on to the hurt that she feels toward Faith because she expected more from her? Like, because I just find that Buffy is so, so forgiving toward everybody. She's like so empathetic. She always wants to believe in like the good in people. But for some reason with Faith, I always got the impression that there was always a barrier stopping her from like fully forgiving Faith. Like in season seven, for example, I just feel like they never fully like forgave each other, both of them. I don't know. What do you guys think? Think? Tink. <laughs> I think that, okay. I I really like Faith as a character. I think she's really, really interesting, and I really love what they do with her. However, just because I like her doesn't mean that she's a good person in season three, especially in season four. And I think that Buffy has so justified her being really angry and really like passive when it comes to Faith in season seven because she literally raped her boyfriend, Riley. And she tried to get together with Angel while she was dating Angel. Um, hurt Xander. And like, there's just so many things. Try to kill her friends, like everything. I just, I just feel like there's so much more. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's like there's so much camaraderie between them. And because they're slayers, there's like always going to be that tension and like, I guess like the rubbing of power against power. So like, I think it makes sense. Um I think that she's understanding if people are able to give her an inch. And I think I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I think in, at seven and seven season seven, I really feel like empty places ironically is a good point for them relationship wise. And I feel like from there on out, they are in a really good place. I always felt like they were good with each other. I felt like Buffy like was able to respect faith as like, a powerful slayer and a powerful person. Um, I totally see where you're coming from just because we don't really have the on-screen communication, but we don't have that with any one of them. And I actually feel way more satisfied with her and Faith's relationship ending in season seven than like any of the other Scoobies like being dead ass. Like that's like the only relationship that I'm like actually very satisfied in. Um, just because you could tell there's an actual mutual respect. We just get like this little look between her and Giles and then her and Willow have like basically nothing. And then her and Xander, he completely counteracts like that nice little speech he gives like in Dirty Girls. So I don't know. That's my thoughts. No, that's that's t so true. I think what I meant was more so like um, it just I feel like it took her like longer. Like it took her usually with other people. She's very quick to forgive them whereas with faith i think it 
I felt like it took her a lot longer to get to that place. But I agree, like after empty places, which is funny because like you said, like empty places, what a terrible time. But um, I feel like after that episode, they really just kind of were on the same page. And there was that like mutual respect um, up until the finale. So, well, and I think the thing is too, is that Buffy gave Faith so many chances to make it right, to grow, to change, to whatever. And so it's like when we do get to season seven, I completely understand why Buffy has that wall up. Like Faith did some nasty stuff to Buffy. And I think that, and Faith, not only is she not like a vampire or a demon or whatever, she's like a vampire slayer. Like she has to be above reproach. She has to be better than just like humans or things like that. And so I think that, yeah, like Buffy did hold her to a higher standard because Buffy Buffy doesn't allow herself to kind of mess up in the ways that Faith did. Uh, but I also think that Buffy had every right to be angry for as long as she wasn't. Honestly, she was more forgiving to Faith than I think I would be. Yeah, Leah kind of touched on what I was going to say. I absolutely do think that Buffy – I think Buffy forgives Faith by the end, but I don't think – I think their relationship is as restored as it could be with the amount of time that we've seen. And I think it was a very natural and very even like human response. Like the, their relationship in season seven is not the relationship it was in season three, and it's not the relationship it could have been in season seven if nothing happened between Faith. But they are in a good place at the end of season seven. Um, I do think that the reason why – Apart from the fact that Faith tried to kill Angel, Faith betrayed Buffy, you know, Faith uh, did all of those awful, awful things, um, apart from all of that, because I don't think any other character ever did anything to so many characters and so many people around Buffy and Buffy herself. I think Faith hit in very personal ways, but I think it's more than that. Buffy sees a bit of herself in Faith because of Faith being the Slayer side and because Buffy saw herself being tempted down that route. And so I think there's some fear involved. And so I think when Buffy sees Faith, she thinks, oh my gosh, I have to be hard on her because I have to remind myself that I could go down that path. I think Buffy's afraid that she could become Faith. And so she kind of lashes out a bit at Faith as a reaction to her own fear of becoming Faith, if that makes sense. So I think because Faith is the shadow side, like and we talked about this in Faith, Hope, and Trick, where there's the whole thing that Buffy's been wrestling with in season three that she'll continue to wrestle with is if Faith can become me, then I can become Faith. And so I think that that leads to fear later on down the line when she's like, I don't even want to let myself become close to Faith because I don't even want to like end up in that place, you know? So I think it's just like – I think their relationship is so interesting and so richly complex. Um, Yeah. And did you know Faith is only in 20 episodes of Buffy? 20 episodes. Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. It feels like she was in a lot more. Yeah, right? Because she makes such a big impact. It's crazy. Yeah. And she's only in, I think, like six episodes of Angel. Well, the epi- I mean, considering like where she started and where she ended, they did a great job with th- that many, only that, like 26 episodes or whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. I did not know that. Faith's arc is what I wish Spike's arc was because you really see like how Buffy kind of holds Faith out at arm's length 
until Faith kind of proves herself to her in season seven. And even then, the relationship is changed. It's different. It's not going to be as close at this point, at least. And I kind of wish we had seen more of that with Spike. Um, also, I mean, we've talked about it before, Faith actually apologizing, actually being repentant, and actually like going to jail. <laughs> you know, obviously, Spike can't just go to jail. He's a vampire. But you know what I mean? Like, there's just um, – they really did a good job with Faith in her entire arc. It's very satisfying. I very much agree. But you already know that. So, um, And then kind of continuing on with Faith. So I thought this episode was kind of jarring a little bit for knowing all of Faith's trauma and like her story because of how trusting and open she is in this episode. Like she trusts Gwendolyn Post really fast. She's very open in the library when she says, I'm telling you, I don't need a new watcher. No offense, lady. I just have a problem with authority figures. They end up kind of dead. Like Faith is being incredibly vulnerable and open right here. And it's a side of Faith that we do not see after this. She closes up at the end of this episode and just remains closed for the remainder of the time on the show. I found the conversation with Buffy and Faith about Angel really interesting because like Faith, you can tell, has a curiosity about Angel. She like mentions like, oh, how is it like being with the undead or like something like that? Like you can tell that Faith kind of has a curiosity. Boinking the undead. She kind of has like a a curiosity about it. And I mean, we all know that Faith, Buffy, and Angel all have a very twisted like history. Um, I mean, at this point, a very twisted future. And so it's just, it's interesting seeing Faith's intrigue in Angel before she even knows him. Yeah, I think, I think Faith's has a fascination with anything Buffy related. I think Faith wants to know why Buffy slept with a vampire. But I think more than that, I think Faith just wants to know Buffy. And in that, we talked about it in the spoiler free section. Faith's attempting to connect with Buffy. At this point, you can tell she's like, hey, we're friends. And then when Buffy kind of blows her off, Faith's like, oh, I like was opening up to you. This was me like, you know, passing the ball to you and hoping you're going to pass it back and we have this conversation. Um, But yeah, like I absolutely adore Faith and Angel's friendship. And I am so, so glad that they never tried to make it romantic because I think that it is so impactful just being a platonic friendship with two people who understand each other in a way that nobody else can. Well, I like the fact that they kind of made it seem like they were like Faith was a threat in season three only because it's only from Faith's perspective because Faith always tries to, in her words, boink every male that, she, that she's around. And so she tries doing with, that with Angel and Angel is so kind in his response of being like, no, like, I'm not going to be that for you, but I can be somebody who carries you through things. Um, and I love that they keep that steady throughout the entirety of their relationship. And then as soon as Faith is starting to heal – she sees Angel the way that Angel sees her. And like they become like really strong in a friendship. And I agree with you, Sarah. I really love that they like after Faith like, recovers, that like that's never even like a thought. I think you can still tell the Buffy is like sensitive about the topic, but it's not in like a, oh, I'm threatened that you guys will like be together. It's more of just like past pain. Like I'm just thinking of like the conversation in season seven when she's talking with um, Faith and she's like, oh, you were in like Angel's mind. It's more of just like, oh, she's like has this close friendship bond with Angel and it's more of just like, oh, remembering past stuff, but it's never anything 
romantic. And I like that they kept it like that because it's not that Faith was in love with Angel. It was the faith that, the fact that she couldn't have Angel. And it was the fact that she felt entitled to a lot of what Buffy had. And she just like needed to feel fill a void in like anything that she could. Yeah. And, and also just to add – um just again watching the episode and like their first meeting the first thing she says to him is oh like i'm going to i'm going to kill you like so much or something like that and then to go from that to the end of both series where faith would literally die for him if he needed her to and like vice versa i just i feel like that's one of the like best friendships in both shows because they just carry each other like he helped Faith, but then she helped him in, like, season four of Angel when she came in, like, Orpheus, and she saw Angelus, you know, like, that whole, like, dream sequence or whatever where she's in his mind, like, Faith has seen, like, a part of him that, like, nobody else has seen, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I also love it. I'm so glad as well that they never, like, took it down the romantic route. I think mm-hmm. that would have been, like, such a disservice to both characters and to both of their stories because they're they're both kind of like angels important to faith's redemption arc and faith is important to angels redemption arc. He's, she's a soul that he saved. And that's like one of the first like big major souls that he saved. So yeah, it's, I I love all of it. Mm -hmm. It's very rare to see a healthy, like friendship in general in the universe. Um, But I've learned that the girl relationships are rarely healthy in the Buffyverse, like girl and girl relationships. Mm. It's more of the guy-girl relationships. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why they choose to do that. It's so annoying. I'm like, why can't we have Willow and Buffy be like solid and communicative and like healthy? And it's like, it's rarely like that. Like we have moments where they're healthy and they're sweet, but it's like, it's very frustrating. Like, like Buffy and Faith, like as much as it's an empowering show about women, it's like, sometimes I'm like, man, all the women keep dying or like the girls have a hard time understanding each other or being close with each other. And then all of a sudden it's like spike. I feel like they sprinkled. Whatever. I'm not (laughs) even going to get into that. I was just going to say, I feel like they sprinkled like little hints of like a potentially really healthy friendship for Buffy and Tara. Yes. Um, And then they like snatched that away like so violently. I just feel like. Like that, imagine like the potential of that friendship was just like, yeah, like that's what Buffy needed in yeah. that season. She needed Tara, like she needed yep. somebody like that, mm-hmm. and they just like yeah. Or Anya and Buffy, I agree. Never had a friendship, never. Yeah, and Cordelia and Buffy, like mm-hmm. they looked like they were gonna kind of have a friendship, friendship in Homecoming and Band Candy. You actually see them kind of understanding each other and then it's like they go right back to just hating each other or not hating each other, just tolerating each other, you know? I think some of that has to do with um, just ingrained sexism. But I think within the universe, it can be justified. I say that in quotes as in by the time you get to Chosen, the whole message is sharing power, empowering women. And so you have Buffy acknowledging Willow's power. You have Faith and Buffy acknowledging each other's power and being willing to share it and stuff. Um, and so I agree with the overall message, but it's like, okay, at the end of the day, writers, do you actually truly believe this? Like, how can we practically like do this? And like at the very basic level, you can have girls supporting each other throughout the entirety of the show. Like, that's not what you've shown us, even if they're not slayers. Mm-hmm. 
here's the thing. They they could have done that on purpose and kind of like showed us as like a, hey, us the writers are aware that we're doing this, being like strong women having a hard time sharing their power in a small space. If they were aware of that, I think that the ending would make would be even more impactful. But I think it's a little bit like, okay, you're giving this this cool message, but then like, like at least from our perspective, it seems like you're not if you're doing it not on purpose by having all these female characters yeah. and not I don't have think a close relationship. It's very frustrating. Even yeah. like I can't even correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think that Cordelia and Fred have like that deep of a relationship. No. They don't. It's like no yeah, female really character sad. other than Buffy and Willow. But even so then they have like a very frustrating relationship half the time too. So it's like that's the only one we really see other than like – I mean you guess you could say like Buffy and um, Dawn. All right. Um, so let's talk about Giles for a quick second. So I think it's really interesting how quick Giles is to bend over backwards for the Watchers Council in this episode. And we've kind of been talking about, Leia, um, one of the themes of season three is um, authority and how to deal with positive authority and then negative authority. And we're watching – obviously, we know what's going to happen later on with Giles – like being fired from the council and then Buffy completely walking away from the council and stuff. But I just, I, I really want to know how much growth Giles has. It's very subtle, but I mean, looking back to season one, Giles, who's very much like, no, you're a slayer. This is what you do. This is your handbook. This is how you're supposed to act. And then like this, this moment here with Gwendolyn Post feels a lot like season one Giles in the way that he's responding and reacting. But then let's contrast that to Checkpoint. And I love that Douglas Petrie is the one who writes that episode as well, where Giles actually stands with Buffy against the council. And I think it's so underrated, but I absolutely love the growth that is shown through Giles's like little moment of, you know, rejecting them. It's just, it's so cool. I think that the closer Giles gets to Buffy emotionally, the further he gets away from the Watcher's Council. Mm-hmm. Like, the further he, like, distances himself away from that. Because that's the reason he gets fired um, and helpless, right? It's because he, you know, they say he has a father's love for her. And I think, yeah, Giles is definitely, like, this is definitely, I did notice that, too, where he was just, like, and also, he, he was also annoyed at Gwendolyn Post. He was just, like, like uh. It was almost like he was trying to, like, prove himself to her, but he only felt like he had to do it because it was, like, habit. But he was just, like, ugh, like, this this lady. <laughs> Jazz is so interesting. I sometimes wish, and Leah's talked about this a lot too, I just wish that they had gone more into his backstory because the little that we do know, it actually lines up a lot with Buffy. And it's just incredible that he's able to throw off everything that he's been literally raised for and everything he stood for for generations. It's literally like ingrained generations for Buffy. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Giles recognizes Oh, hey, a slayer is a human being. And I and I think the Watchers Council actually like they do, they treat them just like, oh, you're dispensable. There's just gonna be another one that comes off the conveyor belt, you know? And so I think that Giles actually getting to know Buffy and having a relationship with her changed his whole entire perspective on the system. Um yeah. And that's on Buffy's impact. Yeah, right? Best character ever. Well, I think I think it's different, like when you're sitting in a room with a bunch of other men talking about 
oh, will there be another one? This is their destiny. But it's like actually being there day in, day out, seeing a 16-year-old girl fight for her life every day. Like it's going to change your perspective. Especially when you recognize, oh, I'm in charge of this person. And it's not just like I'm in charge of the slayer. I'm in charge of like a person's life. And what I say can make or break it, you know? So let's talk about the conversation um, with Xander. It's mainly Xander. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know Leah's perspective on it. (laughs) You take the reins, Leah. You don't have to say anything, I'm exhausted for talking about it. I mean, I think it's it's pretty simple. He's just like unreasonable. He's always unreasonable. He always just lashes out like a child. It's just his the way he reacts to things to me. And I mean, yeah, he's he is a child technically. Like he's reacting like a an emotional teenage boy, I guess. But it's just like um Xander tends to just like hurl insults. Like he hits Buffy where it hurts. He knows what hurts her and he uses that against her. And that just makes me like so angry. Um, We were just talking before how Xander is very much like he's like the human of the group. He has a very black and white view of the world. So like vampires, evil people, good. Like he doesn't there's no gray area for him. And I don't know. Yeah, that scene is like infuriating. (laughs) Like Just watching him like shut her down. And, like, hit her where it hurts over and over again without even taking a moment to, like, listen to what she has to say. And that you can tell the difference because of how Giles handles it. You know, he talks to Buffy behind closed doors in a very calm manner about how her actions hurt him. Whereas Xander just, like, humiliates her in front of everybody else. And, yeah, I don't know. He's just an, uh, he's like an unreasonable little prick. I don't really know what else to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, he totally is. So um, Passion of the Nerds analysis was really interesting. And he was talking about how in this episode, Buffy's metaphorical spirit and heart, which is Willow and Xander, are wrestling with deception and confusion at the same time that Buffy herself is. And he made a really interesting comparison of the fact that you're watching both of them struggling with the exact same thing as Buffy, and they're supposed to be the people that are representing her, Um, which again, I don't want to – I. I don't want to make it like, oh, we have to justify Xander's behavior or Willa's behavior because it's supposed to be a reflection of Buffy. But I do think it is an interesting comparison. Um, and then I remember what Emily was talking about, how like Xander being a representation of Buffy's heart is not always a positive thing. It's also a negative thing. And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about in this episode that Xander lashing out to Buffy is – things that Buffy has thought of herself, but it's also the fact that Xander feels passionately about things, both positively and negatively. And so when he is reacting to things, he, we all know Xander's not a thinker. He doesn't think through things very much. He just responds impulsively. And so that's a reflection of um, how much he cares, but it's also a reflection of like uh, where his own heart is at, if that makes sense. So I just think it's a very interesting to kind of like view that but also like holds Xander accountable for what, you know, the crap that he's saying too. But I thought that was a really like interesting point. Um, 
And then the other thing that they that Passion the Nerd mentioned too is he said, who's the person that breaks up the kiss between Willow and Xander in this episode? It's Giles, the mind. So once the mind actually comes in and starts to take over, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, like we need to we need to actually rein ourselves in and remember what we're doing here. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, I was just gonna say, like, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way that like Giles breaking them up, but he never actually like sees them. So somebody, I don't remember who it is on Instagram, brought up a really good point about Willow. The moment where Willow and Buffy are talking and Willow's like about to tell Buffy about, you know, what's going on with her and Xander. And then she chickens out the last minute. But then she also asks Buffy, hey, so like, was it, you know, kind of sexy, the fact that you guys were hiding and stuff? And Buffy's like, not really. Like, my conscience kept bothering me and it kind of took away any of the fun, which I feel like is very telling. And um, this person was talking about how this moment is very consistent with Willow's character across the board, how she chooses what feels good over what is right at the end of the day. And that's what happens with Dark Willow. And I think, Leah, you and I have talked about how uh, Dark Willow is actually like very much a part of Willow herself. And I think people like to see it as like she's a completely separate entity. But there's actually been like a little bit of Dark Willow in her since the very beginning. And I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. I think Willow just wants – she wants to be accepted by everybody. She wants to be viewed as, like, more than she sees herself. Like, she's very – I think Willow has, like, really low self-esteem. So she's all about, like, the instant gratification, which is why she's drawn to magic because it's like, like oh, I can just do a spell and get what I want. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I think it's all about power, and that's what like Dark Willow is. Like, there's Willow's always had like a hunger for power because she's so insecure. I think that Dark Willow made the most sense with Willow's character. I think that it's obviously not who she is as being dark, but I do think that she had elements of Dark Willow in her, and then she was given an outlet to like explore that to the full extent. Um, but I think that Dark Willow makes a lot of sense. I kind of like it's it's a I don't know why people crap on the metaphor in season six of addiction, because I think it works really well. Um, I don't understand that. But like it's kind of like the idea of when people are drunk, it's a part of them, but that's not exactly who they are. It could be like a, like a, a part of how they feel and then being drunk really like amplifies it. Or like makes it like even like more so like your personality becomes like really extreme. Or maybe there's a kernel view that kind of thinks something's true. And then when you're drunk, it's like you spew it out as if it's fact. Or like um, maybe you're a little bit frustrated about something. And then when you're drunk, you're like really angry about it. So I think like there's like that that metaphor of like, like when you're maybe under the influence in any sort of substance, it kind of takes the part of you that you want to hide and then really just brings it to the forefront. Um, that's how I've always kind of viewed it. I don't know if you guys disagree with that, but I think that could be an interesting plot line that they're trying to explore. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings about the addiction storyline in season six for Willow. I think that I understand it to a certain extent, but I feel like it was derived to kind of not make Willow into a monster. And I think that it's sometimes used in it as an excuse to justify Willow's behavior. And I feel like – I think if you mix it in with 
like Will ultimately just wants power and wants control and wants acceptance. And then she uses magic and it becomes an addiction. Um, that that can kind of work. And that's I feel like that's kind of maybe what they were going for. But honestly, I see Willow as being addicted to power. And I, and then magic just ends up being the tool that she uses to get power. And I think that puts a little bit more on Willow and um, then I think the writers and even Allison Hannigan, because I know Allison didn't want to do the magic um, or didn't want to do the whole like power uh, storyline. She preferred to do magic as an addiction. Um, so for me, I think that's more consistent with who Willow's been for her entire life as someone who just absolutely wants to be the smartest person in the room, the person who controls everything, including everyone in her relationships. Um, and then just like a couple of fun facts stuff. So uh, this is the first episode to feature electrokinesis with Gwendolyn Post shooting the electricity. Do you guys remember another character in the Buffyverse that shoots out electricity? Is her name Gwen? Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh-huh. oh yeah, Gwen, God. an I angel. I on a rant about Gwen. She was <laughs> one of the most missed used characters ever i thought she was so cool i thought she was so i agree she came in she was like bam 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 she was all over the place like she just was so interesting and then nothing nothing happened with her she had sex with gun and that was it and you were like what and it made me so mad because she could have been so cool yeah like oh that that character makes me mad because she is so misused they wrote her just to have sex with Gun. <laughs> um, it would have been cool to see her like join like Team Angel. Yeah, right. Although she was like like a thief, she was supposed to be like Black Cat to um, Angel's Batman. Yeah, and I mean, it would have been cool if they made her kind of kind of like an actual Black Cat inside, like yeah. Batman, where she like doesn't fully side with Angel, but mm-hmm. like she'll pop in every now and then if they're both fighting on the same side. If they did something like that, it would have been cool. They started to do that, and then they just were like, "Oh, go have sex with Gun," and then run it. Go have sex with Gun. Like, <laughs> no, it was literally. Like, first, like have a little nowhere. thing with Angel, and then you can have sex with Gun because um, everybody else is all like, Angel now has Cordelia. Wesley now has Fred. Gun doesn't have anyone. Here you go, Gwen. Gwen and Gun. Angel had more chemistry with Gwen that one kiss than he had with every scene he had with, with Cordelia. Sorry. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at Sorry. all. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Will. The only scene where I'm like, you know what? But the split second, I feel like I could ship like Cordelia and Angel is like the sword scene. I think that's a little cute. But other than that, I'm like, I don't see it. See, I feel like that scene to me is like very – it's like platonic. Like there's nothing like romantic for me in that scene. Like when they're training, right? Like in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's very like – it just looks like a guy showing his friend how to use a sword. Like I just don't <laughs> – I don't know. <laughs> It's funny. I'm on Instagram and someone just liked my um my post and their username is Buffy's Amends Bangs. <laughs> As we're talking. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so funny. funny because bring back the bangs. A lot of people don't like the episode Amends, but for some and like a lot of yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah. 
I want not the Bangel people. Excuse me. Obviously, the Bangel people do. A lot of people I'm call obsessed. it boring. They say it's a snore it's fest, so... and yeah, it's the same people that think that Angel's boring. That think Are that Bangel is melodramatic. Yeah, but for some reason, everybody remembers those bangs. No, but other than that, it has such cute. But it's such a cute, like nice. It literally feel, introduces like, the like first Christmas evil, comfy, cozy to like episode. the Buffy verse. Like it literally introduces. Like, how do you like after watching the whole show? How do you watch Amends like in any other way without it being interesting? Well, it's like the first introduction of like the first evil. Yeah. First of all, well, and it, it's the episode that Angel starts to actually decide to fight for his life yeah goodness apart from Buffy she inspires him but that's when he realizes he needs to do something on his own and it's it's really kind of a backdoor pilot to the series of Angel it's so important yeah yep and it's a Christmas episode it's supposed to feel hopeful and happy it's so good I like the snow at the end it's so comfy a Christmas cozy, miracle like Yes, it's so cute. And their acting is so, so good. good. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, the, the part oh where she God. says, you know, um, he says, am I a righteous man? Like, even if you think that they're being, like, melodram- they're not being melodramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say that. Like, you know what? Their they, dialogue is dramatic at times, but it fits. Yeah. It makes sense and right. it's earned. It's not there for no reason. It's dramatic because there's intense things going on. And I think people kind of like tend to overlook it simply because they're like, oh, the emotion is making me uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, uh, no, sit with it. Just cry. Let it's it okay. feel. Just yeah. cry. <laughs> feel it all. Come on. What is wrong with you? Emotionally repressed people? It's because, shocker, Buffy and Angel love each other. Oh, wow. Um, we don't like Angel love, I guess. I thought they hated each other. I mean, I just, I really couldn't tell up on that mountaintop. I mean, it's really obvious that Angel, like, is just around her because she's like 18 and he likes young girls that (laughs) you can't even finish it can you (laughs) young girls that have lollipops obviously yeah seriously yeah because he's a creep he doesn't actually love her guys that's what the show is trying to tell you the whole time mr trick didn't die he'd be with mr trick too so yeah like angel was on the prowl for anybody with a lollipop like just hide your lollipops guys (laughs) i'm gonna like i'm gonna superimpose mr trick's face onto buffy's when he says am i a righteous man (laughs) oh my god you should make you know the video of like antoine dobson like clamming in your windows snatching your people (laughs) up It's like Angel trying to get with Mr. Trick. <laughs> Hide your children. Hide, Hide your, your lollipops. Hide your... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but so it's the argument that Angel and Buffy don't love each other and it's melodramatic. Like, ugh. It's just, yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. The only reason Angel's with Buffy is because he really wants Faith. That's who he wants. That's that's the whole Yeah, that's the whole goal. obviously. He was just with Buffy while he waited for Cordelia to become a higher <laughs> being so that he could then um, try to get with her when she was possessed by Jasmine before she slept with the sun, obviously. He was like, there's this niche period of time. It's like Duh. five episodes. Their story's so chaotic. <laughs> Oh, but actually, though, he was just – Buffy was just a placeholder for Nina, guys. Hurt my heart. Uh, yeah. 
Or Darla that he never loved. I'm, I'm physically in pain Darla. right now. Stop it. <laughs> See, I love Darla and Angel because I never feel like it's like, it's not like a threat to anything. Like, like Buffy and Angel and Darla and Angel are like, they're like parallels to each other, but like the dark side. Mm-hmm. So it's like one can't exist while the mm-hmm. other, like they're, they're never going to be like a threat to each other because it's like, it's like Angelus and Angel. Like, that's how, I don't know. And it's just so interesting. Like, they just have such an interesting, like, dynamic. And Julie Benz is amazing. Yeah. I feel like anything she would have done would have been. See, okay. And that's the thing. Crazy. Angel and Buffy, amazing chemistry, epic romance. Darla and Angel, even Darla and Angelus, like, so much chemistry. I won't say epic mm-hmm. romance, but, like, very just interesting mm-hmm. to watch. And then Cordelia. And it's like, I don't understand why we're trying to make this work. There's just nothing here, you know? Anyways, the audience knows our views on Cordelia. Like, we're not even on the episode. We're not even in the show, Angel. We keep talking about this. And freaking Nina keeps getting brought up. Let me correct, though. Not Cordelia. Cordelia Angel. We yeah, are Cordelia yeah, stands. But yes, not Cordelia and Angel. You know, totally. I, okay, last thing. What do you guys think is the significance of – obviously, Angel bites Buffy at the end of the season. What do you think is the significance of Angelus being the one that bites Faith? Leia can answer because I was about to kind of pull an answer out of my butt, if I'm being honest. So Honestly, same. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's – well, you could say that like Buffy and Faith are like Buffy Faith is like the dark side of Buffy, just like Angelus is the dark side of Angel. I stole my butt and answer right out of my butt. Buffy like <laughs> What? <laughs> and Buffy <laughs> Um when Angel drank from Buffy, it was because she forced him to drink from her to save his life. Whereas I literally just texted Leah, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Leah. I will compose myself. I literally have no idea what I'm saying. Um <laughs> I was going to say that <laughs> I'm just trying to like string my thoughts together because I don't know like how to answer this question. So let's just put the pieces together. So Buffy forced Angel to drink from her because he was dying and Mm -hmm. the only cure was the blood of a slayer. And Faith duped Angelus. So she like tricked him into drinking her blood that was laced with the Orpheus drug or whatever Mm -hmm. so that she could trap him. So I don't know where I'm going with this. Um... (laughs) So, like, Faith being, like, the dark version of Buffy, it's, like, I don't know. I don't think it's, like, super, like, significant in the sense of, like, ooh, there's a whole metaphor here. I think think they intentionally had it to be Angelus because there was something very special about Angel and Buffy's um, bite slash kiss. (laughs) Kiss of life. We all could have been spared of your little kiss of life. From the Emperor's New Group. Emperor's New Group. Applicable in every situation. For the last time, it wasn't a kiss. 
Well, whatever you call it, it was disgusting. Uh, by the way, sir, I don't have an answer to your Buffy and Angel faith question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're choosing this moment. I think Leah's subtly telling me to get back on track. Okay. No, I, I know. I was just saying that I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll get back on that. No, I don't think it's anything super significant other than they were trying to preserve that. But I think it was also to show there's been a very clear correlation between Faith and Angel's dark sides. And so I think they were trying to show how they mirror each other by having Angelus be the one that bites Faith. Um, and so I think that – I don't know. I just think that's kind of like really cool and really significant. And yeah, and I love that they end up having that episode where their journeys align. And I do think it's beautiful that – like Buffy and Angel are really the ones who share a special moment and that they don't have like Faith and Angel have like a special moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So fun fact, Giles identifies the glove of Minigon from the book Tobin's Spirit Guide. Um, it's the book he references. Um, apparently that's a fictional book that's originally used in the film Ghostbusters and they just borrowed it and decided to use it for this one. And it's also going to be used again in the episode Wrecked. So, got to end on a happy note. Oh, I love that episode. <laughs> I was like, got to end on a happy, happy note. Got to mention wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say that's actually one of the better episodes, like in season six. I I really actually enjoy watching that one. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I think you're going to need to elaborate a little bit on that because I don't believe you. What do you mean? Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying – it's like, uh, like oh, happy. But I think the acting is really good and I find it really interesting to look at. I also really love to watch Pain in episodes, so that's me. Hence why Buffy's my favorite show because it's just yeah. interesting to watch people in pain, you know? Wrecked is not awful. Because it's the beginning. Once you get about six episodes in and you're just like, yes. okay, we see, we know Buffy's well, in that's pain. that's what I'm saying about Wrecked. We're now in pain. That's what I'm saying about Wrecked. The episode gotcha. of Wrecked. Because I find the whole Allison Hannigan scene, she gives me goosebumps in like her performance of that scene. That yeah. scene is so good. Yeah. When you have the car wreck with Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe some sort of healing. But yeah. Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, on that amazing, happy, high note, unless – do you guys have anything else you need to add? Leah, anything you need to get off your chest? Leah, you need anything you need to pull out of your butt? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Leah. Thanks for having me. Very fun. I had so much fun. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and following along. Um, we hope you enjoyed this as well. You guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you guys 